Welcome to episode 13 of Lost Without Japan, a podcast based on Japan and your Lost Without moments. This is your director of travel for TKIC Studio Productions, coming to you with hopes and dreams of return to travel for himself and others in summer 2022. I'd like to thank you for giving me a bit of your time today, and I truly hope this podcast finds you in a good place or on the path to a better one, no matter how it may seem at this moment. My belief is that we all could use a beacon like this in our lives to help guide us during these times, and my hope is that Japan, along with the show, will become that for you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're a returning Lost Without listener, thank you again for your time and for returning. Let's start today's show on Osaka and copy in Japan with some positive mental imaging. And let's imagine that today is the day for your trip to Japan. Now, as you arrive for today's flight to Japan, remember the left lane is for loading and unloading only. And please double check that you have your luggage, passport, and your phone with you as you get out of the Lost Without Japan rideshare. You have made it. Today is the day. As you go through the doors of TKIC International Airport, go ahead and take a few deep breaths and come along with your tour guide as we will get you on your way for either your first trip to Japan or your return trip to Japan so you can make your very own loss without moments. As we go through the security checkpoint, make sure to stay with the tour group Let's see how your preparation for our trip is going. Remember, you can always reach out to the show at lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com, lostwithoutjapan on Instagram, at YouTube, and TKIC Studio on Twitter and Facebook. So how are your dreams comes true savings accounts going? Hopefully you're seeing this begin to grow or you've forgotten about it and you're pleasantly surprised at the progress that you've made. Remember, no amount's too small, and all that matters is that we're either taking that first step together or continuing to move forward together. Feel free to take advantage of your travel partner at any time for support or just so we can celebrate your success. I must say that that lull of no purchases uh, was broken uh, by me choosing to finance a new MacBook Pro, you know, for the show. And for use in travels to help edit and upload audio and video of my recordings of my Japan uh, trip with my son this summer. So lots of use for it. And let me tell you, um, when I was recording the episode with my son, I noticed my computer was really struggling and wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to be an issue um, when we start having guests. And, you know, some of those guests could be listeners, friends. And um, one of my friends uh, that I'm going to be interviewing had a definite loss without moment in Africa. And I was even this uh, week able to, to connect with another podcast on Japan that I've listened to since 2016, uh, Japan 2.0. And we're currently um, talking about doing a collaboration of episodes with uh, me visiting their show and them coming on ours. Now, I'm not sure if you can tell, but I've been smiling a lot. Smiling right now. It's there, I promise. And let me tell you, I've already recorded this episode once. Uh, it's an hour long, <laughs> and I don't have to do it again. Computer already crashed once. So I think uh, it can't come soon enough. 
March uh, 1st to 8th, please, please happen. Now, I must say, your feedback and interaction with me is really driving me to offer even more to the show, more to the show. And truly, it was that push I needed to make a purchase that I've been put, putting off since like literally 2011. I truly feel lucky to have you listeners and this show and our interactions make it all worth it to me. So thank you. Now, I have been receiving a lot of uh, like feedback and interaction, like I said, and one of those feedbacks are actually going to be um, like rolled into our next show when we continue talking about Osaka. And we're going to look to include some pricing information for Airbnb, hotels, hostels uh, for your trip to Osaka. And it's going to be something I'm going to look to do for other cities as well. Um, And you can thank Brianna for that. Um, She is a Lost Without Japan listener and a fabulous uh, addition uh, to our show and group collective of people and that idea, I was like, man, I'm going to take it. We're going to do it and uh, make that something that we can add into our show. It's just something to look forward to part two. Thank you so much for uh, reaching out and making that suggestion. What are you looking to purchase next? Remember to take advantage of the show's link uh, in our description where I have my Google Doc for purchases for your Japan trip links to our show episodes, link to other shows, resources. There's so many great things that are there. I'm even going to include start including a timestamp for those of you that are listening specifically just to hear uh, our talk on the city and maybe um, not our other topic or maybe you're coming for the coffee and not Osaka um, or um, you're like me. I'll re-listen to these episodes uh, that talk about cities I want to go to when it's closer to my trip. So I wanted to include a timestamp for you so that on a re-listen, you can uh, go right to that spot on Osaka and listen uh, to that and, you know, have your show prep, uh, like the the prep for your uh, trip, my show prep, uh, put to the best use possible. I truly feel lucky we have each other on this journey and I look forward to us just continuing to support each other as we have already. Thank you so, so much. Now, congrats on making it through and finding the correct gate for your trip. Before we board, let's take a few moments and discuss some important knowledge about Japan with our talk today on copying Japan and the unseen benefits of Starbucks in Japan. First things first, I know what you're saying. Mike, benefits from a Starbucks. I can visit Starbucks anytime I want. What benefit besides caffeine and snacks could they possibly offer? Well, this is something I stumbled across uh, back on my 2017 trip when I was by myself. And... Japan is a still a very cash-based society, and although it's improving, you will need cash when you visit. What's not fun is going to an ATM that only dispenses to you 10,000 yen notes or 5,000 yen notes, the equivalent of a $100 and $50 bill, when you get change from them and you're like, Mike, 
The ATM that I go to at home gives me a $20 bill, other things. Why is that not the case? What's going on? Are you using it correctly? Oh, uh, it's life hack uh, two here coming up. Number one, I when I was in Osaka, I needed caffeine. I was running around and there was Starbucks. It was later on the day. I didn't want any adventure. I wanted to go someplace I was familiar with just for that moment. Get my coffee, get out, point at pictures, not have to worry about doing any uh, scan and translate and things. And I went in, ordered my coffee, pointed at the pictures, went to go pay. And lo and behold, the only thing I had on me were 10,000 yen notes. And I was like... This this is horrible. I'm paying for like a $4 drink, $5 drink, whatever it was at that time. They're not going to take it. I handed it to them. What else could I do? They didn't bat an eye. And they took it and gave me my change back, saved my day. And I found that any Starbucks that I went to did the same thing in Tokyo, Kyoto, Hiroshima, it's a life hack that I tell to everybody, go ahead and do it. Um, but one other thing I would say is like get uh, cash, yen in specific, like in particular, get your Japanese yen, not all of it, but a chunk of it before you even leave. And what I would recommend requesting is 2,000 yen bills and 5,000 yen bills, those 20 and $50 bills. Um, and you're like, Mike, but you're saying the ATM didn't dispense those $20 bills. Uh, they don't. And um, there are people that I run across every trip that have never seen them before that are in their 30s, 40s, 50s. They're not common at all. Your 5,000 yen note, yes. 10,000 yen note, for sure. All the coins that come as $5 bills, you know, like they're coins that are $5 and all those different things every day. But those 2,000 yen notes saved my bacon on more than one occasion. And I definitely recommend getting them so that if there's not a Starbucks nearby, um, you're able to do what you want to do. Because a little bit further down uh, from that, when I was uh, got my coffee, I found a ice cream stand that had like four different flavors of vanilla from Hokkaido. And they were all four great. Yes, I had all four. <laughs> uh, for certain, wouldn't be able to have it because they would not have taken a $100 bill. Uh, so just something to hold on to and use what you have. Now, I want to let you know, I am not a coffee snob. Don't fashion myself as a coffee snob. Maybe I am more than I realize, especially after my trip uh, last time in 2019. Uh, but let me tell you, um, my love of coffee was stoked on my last trip to Japan when we were visiting Osaka. My friend Steve and I stumbled across a coffee shop when we were out near our Airbnb. And this shop had a sign outside with pictures I was able to translate and put into my phone. So I was able to use my method of like take pictures of what Mike wants <laughs> and um, show it on the inside. And Steve and I went in expecting to be there for like a half hour, 45 minutes, something like that. And one of the things we enjoyed the most was just walking around and exploring the area around your Airbnb or hostel, hotel, wherever you're staying. There are so many things that just aren't on Google. Or, you know, just not something that you're going to, you would find normally. 
So we went in expecting to have a cup of coffee, some sort of snack, and go about our time exploring elsewhere, doing something else for the rest of the night. And what ended up happening was like a couple different surprises. All of that prep work that I did uh, in taking pictures of things that I wanted to eat and drink was for like really uh, not because the owner uh, spoke wonderful English and uh, was able to take all of our orders, do everything for us. It was fabulous. It was wonderful. Um, We uh, even got to experience something, which is one of the things I share with people that are kind of like on the fence about going out and interacting with people. And I can tell you, I don't do that on a normal basis. I go out to eat or go drink. I'm not talking to people that are near me. I'll talk with people with me, um, but I don't do other people. But what ended up happening was um, her friend came and the friend we found out actually roasts some of the beans that are used at her shop. And that began to be a conversation where we shared about where we were from, where they were from, what they were doing. I learned a lot, you know, like learned some about the coffee, how it was made. And we ended up celebrating her friend's birthday. We stayed for like four hours (laughs) celebrating a birthday, sharing experiences, and just having a fabulous time with just some very unique and special people. How awesome is that? Um, I even went so far as to buy an incredibly small amount of coffee beans. Uh, one of the coffee that I had when I was there that I truly enjoyed. And it was around $20. And I didn't have a coffee grinder. Didn't have any way to do this. But I was just like, you know what? I'm going to buy this. This is great. I'm going to take it home with me. And it led me to begin my quest on this last trip, which was to experience every non-chained coffee store I could the rest of my trip. And I know that this is going to be something that's going to carry over to my next trip. And it's going to be something like, I know every time I go, I find something that's that new thing. And I love it. Because honestly, it's when you're back home and you're having those like post-trip blues, that those things that you take and don't even realize how big they are really become huge. Yes, I had to buy a coffee grinder. Yes, I bought a kettle to, you know, pour over the water so they could be at a specific temperature. Yes, I had to buy like this glass carafe to like pour, uh, you know, put the filter in, pour the water in. Okay, maybe I'm a coffee snob when it comes to Japan, but not for everything else. Swear when I'm back home, I just buy like the cheapest ground coffee that I possibly could from the store. That's like a step up from the bulk coffee. Uh, But really, there, you know, on that time when you get back and you're you're trying to, you know, get back into the groove of everything you're doing, having that is just a huge thing. And also, like coffee in general in Japan, it's something you're going to experience in multiple locations and. From our previous episode where we were talking about like, you know, onsen and those experience that you can have, um, you can have a hot bath and enjoy a cold coffee milk. Um, You can have a hot one. There's just things you can even have art made right before your eyes uh, when you're in Japan and experiencing coffee. So I even found like when I was visiting bookstores in Japan that you could purchase magazines 
that just were strictly on coffee and trendy spots that you go get a cup of coffee and even how to make your best coffee at home. Coffee really didn't gain popularity, though, uh, in Japan uh, for, like, the masses uh, until about 1960s when instant coffee began to finally reach Japan. Coffee went from being something only the rich could afford and became something accessible and affordable for all. So no matter where you go, you can find a huge range of shops, find hot coffee, cold coffee. You can get it from vending machines without any effort. The first time I had a cold cup of coffee from a vending machine when I was in summer was amazing. Being there when it was November and cold and getting a hot cup of coffee or hot soup, its own uh, wonderful things that you have. And in Japan, you can find a variety of coffee shops, from a cafe to Kisaten, like an older-style coffee shop, to, like I said, that Starbucks. Uh, Big-name brands and their fancy caffeinated drinks are popular in Japan, just as any other place in the world. And a recent trend um, that I saw in Tokyo is the increase of, like, even more small local independent coffee shops. Like, I saw that on my trip. And... Their whole focus is on creating a, an amazing cup of coffee, roasting it, preparing it, and going out of their way to just make a piece of art that you are fortunate enough to get to drink. Like I said, um, coffee being roasted in-house, it's something that you have that you may never get to have again in your whole life, even if you lived there in the area and went back to the same shop. Uh, Tokyo is most often mentioned, even if you just do a Google shop, uh, a Google search on shops uh, for Japan. And, um, but other cities are beginning to take note too. Kamakura, Nagoya, Kyoto, and are ones that are beginning to get a lot of talk. And you'll even find in our talk in a little bit when we cover Osaka, it is there too. Uh, it's everywhere. Um, so it's not just those uh, special places that are, th- that are there. And one really cool thing, especially in Tokyo, um, but I found in Osaka as well and Kyoto, latte art is some of my like favorite things to see um, are, and are even starting to come in 3D art, especially in Tokyo. You can spend 1200 yen or $12 to have some amazing, you know, looking either a dog, bear, penguins, or all sorts of cool things that were just put in 3D form on the top of your coffee, or around 650 yen to have it put, um, you know, in that flat style on top of the coffee. And that in and of itself uh, is awfully cool as well. Imagine having a trip you took on your trip, a picture you took on your trip, and then seeing that made in front of you. What a memory. What an experience. It's awesome. Sure, we'll go into coffee even more in the future, but I wanted to give just a brief summary, some things you could experience while you're there, some things to look for, some reasons to look for coffee on your trip. But now it is time for you to board your airplane. Stow your overhead luggage and make it to your seats. As we sit and wait for the drink cart, I feel it's the perfect time to begin today's talk on Osaka. Tourist Spots, Part 1. The Google Doc for the show is in the notes for today and includes map links for the areas that I'm going to cover. If you'd like to follow along with me, I'll pause here momentarily for you to 
click on that link and get to where we are. And as that's loading, I'm going to go ahead and begin our talk um, briefly um, on Osaka and then get into the areas that I picked for our part one talk. Like I said, this is going to become a part two, a part three um, for Osaka. So we'll get into our food, get into our other things, but let's start with today. Osaka is the capital city of the Osaka Prefecture in the Kansai region. It's located in the northern part of Kyushu Island. And it's the third most populated city in Japan with 2.7 million people. If you're a fan of movies with a noir film, the look of Osaka is often like compared to that of Blade Runner. And if any of you have seen the Michael Douglas movie Black Rain from the 80s, it was it was actually filmed there. And it's really cool if for no other reason, if you can find it and watch it to see the differences from Osaka then to now, especially uh, right before you visit. Osaka's location is just wonderful. It is so close to Kyoto, Kobe, Kobe, and Nara. And after kind of like beginning in Tokyo on a lot of my trips, the first place I'd go to was Hiroshima and then work my way back. Osaka was that next step. And I really enjoyed staying there even more than staying in Kyoto even when um, venturing and things that are there, just if for nothing else, the food, let me tell you. So with our copy talk today, I wanted to pick out two locations in particular um, that I found uh, and want to share with you. And let me tell you, I, I want to pat myself on the back for these, these two locations here. So get ready, my friends. Um, Lilo Coffee Roasters. It's time to get your latte art in Osaka in the Shinsibashi area. At this cafe, the coffee roaster establishment, you can see, like, and looking at their over a thousand reviews, that their reviews and their positive reviews overwhelmingly are, are no small part to their quality coffee, but super friendly staff, super friendly staff, super friendly staff. This small chain of Osaka, like, let me tell you, must be doing something right because everybody's saying how wonderful it is to, to go there. And when that's coming um, on par with coffee or before coffee, you know it must be. Their website is also has some information about um, the store, the baristas, and even subscriptions if you're lucky enough to live in the area. It really gives a very unique and down-to-earth, very personalized experience. Use the location in the show's Osaka map look and explore that site translated in English in your Google browser. They then look to see like a cup, a single cup of coffee served and poured for you. And... You can even purchase a cup to take home with you with the shop's logo. And on top of it, there's a plastic uh, pour-over thing for filter to make a single cup of coffee for you. It's already on my list of things that I want to buy when I go back. $18 for that is a steal. And then I don't have to bring out my bigger one when I return home and make those coffee beans last a little bit longer than what it was. And I plan on purchasing as many small packs of those coffee as I can. It was fabulous. It looks like the staff spoke English about two years ago, and I'm not sure it's still the case because it's not popping up. Maybe it's just because of Corona. <laughs> 
uh, like the like the, the not Corona, like the. the uh, I need a adult beverage after this. This is uh, you know multiple times recording this, but you are worth it. So because of the COVID, <laughs> like. But it's not mentioned, but even if it's not the case, it's okay because there are menu, like there's pictures of it and things that are there. And one thing I noticed, their menu is a piece of art. There's so many different locations all through the world that they pull coffee from. And every view speaks of something different. Like it's not just this one specific type of coffee. It's numerous things. Wonderful. Another place that you can visit is Dan Dan Coffee Bar. What a find, let me tell you. Especially you live in Osaka, you've moved there, or when things open up, you do end up moving there. Because right in the middle of Emura, in the Shinsubashi State, um, right by Shinsubashi Station, Osaka Nemba Station, the owner of this cafe, Dan, goes out of his way to encourage everyone to interact with each other and goes so far as to even hold events on the weekends for foreigners and locals alike to meet, make friends, and practice their language skills. The focus seems to be mainly on English, Japanese, and Spanish, um, but what a find. Like, so amazing. Imagine being there on the weekend when this is taking place and just getting to meet some people and practice your Japanese or just to have someone practice their English and who knows, make a friend to go out with that night. The dessert looks to be homemade, as well as their sangria and mojitos. The reviews rave about their desserts, despite it being a coffee shop. Don't worry, the coffee's there too. And scrolling through their Instagram at Dan Dan Cafe Bar, I noticed they have a wide range of alcohol and other foods. I even saw a pizza and just, let me tell you, the desserts, mouthwatering. Now on to a shrine for the area. And this one I just had to include. It's one of Japan's oldest shrines and the head of over 2,300 shrines. Um, this is Sumiyoshi, Sumiyosha Pashi Shrine. And it is a rather like a large area. There's multiple rail lines that can get there. And if you're looking to have a little more fun than normal, one cool thing you can do on the way is take the uh, Hanakai Umachi Tramway tramway you heard it a tram and enjoy a experience you don't get in all cities in japan or just like by me i don't have a tram <laughs> i'd have to go to san francisco to experience this so the link uh for this location has a web page uh and my google doc that goes to in our um, maps location that can be translated to english they even have a um PDF map that is in English you can download directly to your phone. They have an FAQ page that answers questions of things that even I don't talk about. And the site has parking for cars, both large and small. They You um, have a set fee for an hour, and then there's other fees for every 30 minutes. Um, but that fee uh, can be for a smaller car, like 200 yen an hour, and then 100 yen every 30 minutes after. Larger vehicles, 500 yen for the first hour, 200 each 30 minutes after. They have over 100 charms available for, for purchase. Um, there, there's even this, um, apparently their fan is very popular, uh, depicts the... Um, bridge that I'll talk about here in a moment as well that you can purchase and bring home with you. So one of the big draws for this in kind of like the 
mascot logo of this whole location is the Takabashi Arched Bridge. It's one of the oldest arch bridges in Japan. And it has, um, although it's been renovated numerous times and that wood has been replaced, um, it's still the same original stone pillars. And it's just such a beautiful form. Although quite a number of people said that it is very steep and be very careful when you, if you choose to cross it. Next, I'd like to talk about um, Osaka Castle. With over 54,000 reviews alone, it's one of the few castles I could recommend visiting in Japan, even if you have already experienced a few of them before. Moria Station provides easy access to this historical site and may offer the easiest access depending on where you're coming from. Now, you may feel differently than I do. You may be a super fan of castles in Japan. But for me, the experience with them really varies. Like some on the outside are beautiful and you go inside and they are trying to give you some of it as an experience of what it was like before. But others, it's very sterile. It's a very museum. Like you're like, Mike, it is a museum. I'm like, yes. But like what you would expect in a normal museum just with a shell of like the castle and how things used to look. And for me, it kind of just took me out of that whole experience. Um, like, I feel like the museum things that they had could have been in any building anywhere. And I just wish they would have had for some locations um, more of a focus on just showing us what it would have looked like, at least in parts. This Osaka castle, though, really is one that I was... I'll admit drag to, but one that I would totally go to again. And it's one I plan on taking my son to because Osaka Castle is one of the tallest castles, if not the tallest castle in Japan. And leading up to it, there are tons of restaurants, um, dessert places. There's Starbucks so you can get change. <laughs> and... The original castle dated back to 1597, and it's been rebuilt and renovated, of course. Um, the site's open from 9 to 5 p.m., and the views from it are amazing. Now, they will stop in mission at 30 minutes before, so please get there ahead of time. Um, you can even, the cool part, though, is purchase your tickets for this ahead of time and online and use credit cards and not worry, at least for the admission part of things. You can do this, um, it looks like three months in advance, so like a couple weeks out if you want to do this, you can have it already paid for. But remember, bring cash. The gift shop that's inside was wonderful. I found things uh, that I liked. I'm sure you will too. One other thing, um, and like when you do that purchase uh, for it, you can translate the page to English going through Google. I was able to go through and do that myself. Um, no issues. One other thing uh, in Osaka that is just as well-known and like one of the things that people think of is an advertising sign, the Duttonbury Glico sign, the Running Man sign. It is truly one of the first spots people will think of if you mention Osaka. It's an advertising sign. It's huge. It's lit up. It's surrounded by people trying to get its picture. An advertising sign that has over 7,600 reviews for a sign. <laughs> the area around it is also worth going to. 
the area, of course, that you're going to go to or go to for areas to try to get the best shot, of course, are going to be the most crowded. Um, but if you just want to see it, you can see it from anywhere. I did. I had a blast, had a drink, had some takoyaki, if you'd like, and enjoy watching everyone interact with this sign. The area that has it has many different uh, restaurants, food stalls, places to eat, malls, shopping, izakayas, cafes. If you want it, it's in this area. It's one of the, like if you have one day in Osaka, you must visit this area. I have also included um, with this um, in our map link, the Dottenbury is saved in it. You can go to that location, explore Google Maps, find your own wonderful things that aren't even listed in what I have. And that area has over 54,000 reviews. Find your favorite meal ahead of time. If you've been to Osaka and have something you'd like to share, send it my way and I'll look to include it in our map for others to enjoy as well. Um, one other thing you can go to is an onsen. Um, of course, you're running around all day. You're climbing up this castle. You're going from place to place. You're tired. You want to relax. I've talked you into going to an onsen on your next visit. And this location has over 5,000 reviews. And a couple things that come up. A, it's huge. B, Foreigners are welcome. And although it's not going to stop me from going to an onsen, if it's, you know, doesn't say that it's, you know, foreigner friendly or things that are here, it's good to know, especially if you're on the fence about going. And it looks like it's around 800 yen admission per adult. And at the end of the day, what better way to recoup uh, and recover? One extra cool feature in this location is a very large outside experience on its roof. Um, you know, lie back, look at the stars, look at planes. Don't worry, your privacy is protected. Um, there's a wall surrounding the location. Many people said that you don't have to worry about it. There are three different types of saunas. There's parking on a third through seventh floor. I told you it's huge. And even different things to drink and eat while you visit. There's pachinko. There's um, massage uh, locations. A hair salon. A place to get your hair cut if you need to at that point in time. There's even shopping in the Chinjabashi uh, Street, uh, where I would recommend if you don't bring a towel with you, um, I'd buy one ahead of time because it looks like in the reviews, the rental for the towel is exceedingly more than if you just buy a towel outside at one of the shops before going. And I'll tell you, it's really not a bad idea to either bring with you or purchase because later on when we talk about uh, Koshin Stadium, you're going to find that your towel comes in handy. Um, next, Tower Records. Tower Records Namba. It's one of my favorite places to visit in Japan or just the Tower Record locations. And this location in Osaka is one that I visit every time I go. Cool thing is, it, if you come um, in route from Namba Station, you can. There's an underground walkway that you can kind of go through, and if you head out E7, the exit, you're going to be pretty much there. Um, tower like CDs in Japan are still very much alive and well, and one of my favorite things to bring back. You can put them up on display. Um, some of them I, I have even seen are autographed of places, you know, people that have visited there. Um, there's also a small section of records, uh, mainly more new release things. 
Of course, the music's going to be uh, focused on Japan, uh, but K-pop being as popular it is, it's there too. There'll be some small amounts of Western music. And if you're a fan of K-pop, they have a very size, like a decent sized collection, very sizable area. Um, and if you're a fan of Twice, like I am, they they really do have a ton of their albums and things that you can purchase. Um, the fifth floor is devoted mainly to, like I said, uh, uh, Japanese music. Um, sixth floor had some other things that are in, and one thing, it, which is why I say look like months and months advance. Like now, if you're looking to go summer, start looking now and look to see who's going to be there because you could actually run into a group or performer, some sort of singer that's going to be there with their release of their album and they will sign or take a picture or meet and greet. And let me tell you, I dragged my buddy Mike to one uh, when we were there in Tokyo and he was definitely on the fence of going, but him being the amazing friend that he is, um, is like, I'll support you, Mike, and go with you. That's a good friend, you know? And he went with me and I got to tell you, uh, we both got sucked into the energy and excitement of the place. And he was like, I would totally do this. Even if I don't even know who the band is, like their music, whatever. It's just another like off the beaten path, a wonderful experience that you can have. Um, definitely do it. And you can even order things through the website uh, and ship it to the States, which is pretty cool. Like I told you, um, and I may have said before once or twice, but I am a huge baseball fan. Love watching baseball at home uh, in the U.S. Baseball in Japan is amazing. If you're not a big baseball fan here, um, I would go to one game there. I said that before. I will say it again. Koshin Stadium is fantastic. It's an outdoor stadium. It's the home to the Hanshin Tigers and simply one of my favorite things to do while visiting Japan. It is a very short walk from Koshin Station and there's tons of like shops and food in the area. And let me tell you, a baseball stadium with 16,600 reviews like filled with people that feel the same way I do about this stadium. The fans are considered to be some of the most ruckus in all of Japan, but I truly think it's because the balloons they let off in the seventh inning whistle as they fly around the stadium. Um, if you want to make uh, be a part of this, make sure to buy your balloons from the gift shop ahead of time, like before um, you you know go to your seat and things. You'll see people start blowing them up. Just hold on to them. Don't let them go in advance. Wait for them to do it. A song will come on and it's like it'll pop up saying that you should let them go at that point in time. Uh, the stadium is one of the oldest in Japan. It was built in 1924, but it feels nothing like that. You can tell that there's been some renovations and things that are there. Way more comfortable than the Tokyo Dome. It's a stadium that had Babe Ruth play there in 1934. And it is seriously like one of the most popular stadiums in all of Japan. Um, in no small part because it hosts Japan's high school championship game. Um, my experience at the park was nothing but positives. And I can tell you um, when that high school baseball is going on, like that is the focus of many people in Japan. One life that hack that I can give you, though, is to bring a trash bag with you and a backpack and that towel that you bought from the onsen earlier because <laughs> it was exceedingly hard to find a place to throw away my food. Let me tell you, um, like the, the things that I had to throw away, um, 
couldn't find a spot. And luckily, the family to my right took pity on me and took my trash. Like, <laughs> embarrassing. You know what I mean? Um, but they, like, that's one thing you're going to find there that the, the people of Japan really just want to have. You have a wonderful time and a wonderful experience. So they took my things with them back home. But next time I go to any park, I'm going to be bringing a little trash bag just in case that happens again. Um, so I can uh, sort my things out uh, at a later time. The one other thing, unique thing about this location in this stadium um, is that they have a museum um, that has quite a bit of things that are on here. And one cool thing, if you go to a game there and you notice there's a stage outside uh, by the food trucks and things like that, and you see a few people over there, do what I was lucky enough to do and sit down. Put that towel that you had from the onsen down, sit there, go get some food, Come back, enjoy it, and you're going to find that um, it could possibly have where they had their cheerleaders and people from the team come out. And there was like this big like rah-rah, sisboomba, we're about to have a game, like pep rally go on. And it was amazing amazing and something i totally lucked out on because there were just a few people over by the stage and mainly i wanted to sit in a place that i thought i saw other people eating i didn't want to eat in the wrong location you know and by the time i was done eating and just kind of soaking in the area i noticed there was quite like a few people behind me and it began to fill up more and more and more and at that time i'd been there for a while and i was like i have to use the restroom <laughs> you know, don't want to lose my spot now that all these people are here. And what I noticed and one of those things that made me fall in love with Japan, again, one more thing is the fact that people would leave their backpacks or things, get up, go to the restroom, come back, and nothing was touched. Nothing was disturbed. And I was like, why not? Because I felt like if I got up with my towel and everything... My spot wasn't going to be there when I got back. Um, now, I wouldn't be surprised if it was. <laughs> but, like, I couldn't, uh, you know, tell them, hey, I'll be right back or whatever it is it's here. So, I left my backpack and my towel that was in my area. Now, I keep, you know, kept, like, my password on me, kept my money, you know, my phone. You know, I'm not leaving those two things there. But I came back after using the restroom and things. Nothing had been touched. It's just amazing, and it's something you're going to notice um, no matter where you go in Japan. Um, like, that level of, like, trust that's there is wonderful. Now, I'd never do that when I was back home, um, but, like, it's one of those things uh, in Japan I really don't bat an eye at anymore. Um, now, one thing that I can say is, like, a great thing to purchase if you're a fan of baseball hats or just something to put up in your office or home I constantly wear a baseball cap and they're all different hats that I have from Japan and different teams. I have one for the Cubs, don't worry, and one for my Boston trip, but I love to have baseball caps. And it's one thing when you go to a stadium that you can find usually that's going to fit you because you're going to find t-shirts and jerseys and things like that are meant uh, not for someone who's necessarily six foot two and like 200 something more pounds than I care to admit. So um, I found uh, jerseys and found shirts and things that are there, but you can always count on the hat. 
and buy it because I found that when I got back home that it's like $100 to purchase the same hat. That's nowhere near $100 when you're back there. And one cool thing is, and I'm going to let you know I heard back from uh, Canada Air and our flight's still on. Um, they just moved us from Haneda to Narita. And at first, I'm disappointed because it is quite the trip. Uh, Narita saying it's in Tokyo is like me in Chicago saying that I'm like in Kentucky or like not. It's not to that extent, but it is just not the same. Um, I'd say like for me being in the burbs, it's like saying I'm in Chicago. Um, you know, like for, to somebody who's coming in and like then them asking, why does it take me 45 minutes to get downtown? And I'm like, well, I'm in that area. Uh, so, but one good thing about going to Narita is they have a baseball store that is still open and they cater to people that are of, uh, you know, like, you know, all the different foreigners and people that are coming through, they're all larger sized clothing. They have hats that are larger it's a great place to buy something for the baseball fan on you or just uh, family members that you have. They're so colorful. They're so wonderful. The team names are just, we'll talk about it later on, but it's just, just great time. We'll have a, a wonderful time. Um, one thing too, like if you're planning on going to a Hanshin Tiger game is that you can give a listen to the Hanshin Tiger English podcast. And I have a link to that as well as the Japan 2.0 crew. Um, they cover the Hanshin Tigers and keep me up to date on what the team is doing. They're one of my favorite teams in Japan. Um, they even helped me uh, with their site going through and registering for a yearly membership uh, to where like a monthly membership where I pay to watch their games even when I'm home. And um, the, the the members who like run this are so responsive um, they will even like they have a Patreon and things you can be a part of. Like if you want to have, um, they'll join you for a game and uh, kind of give you a tour. Uh, the main host will um, of that and you know join you for a game and like what a cool thing to do. Um, it's a um, Patreon that I'm a part of, uh, just supporting another you know podcast and they do wonderful work. They've done a ton of episodes as well. And are always there for you. And with it being the year of the Tiger this year, I'm sure that means uh, that this is the year uh, for the Tigers. So with those high hopes, um, I just want to tell you that I will um, add in uh, some timestamps and things again uh, for when we talk about this uh, city portions of things. And I look forward to... Continuing this discussion and including some food and other things uh, for Osaka in episode 14, we're going to continue on uh, with our second part and um, cover some areas that were brought to my attention by the Japan 2.0 podcast. Um, if uh, we don't uh, cover them in our interview that we're going to be uh, doing together. Um, we're working together, like I said, right now, um, to figure out a time to where we can, uh, have a talk about Osaka and some kind of some things that are off the beaten path for there. And then just Japan as a whole, um, the link for the show is in that Google doc and the show, um, they have a huge back catalog of just some amazing things to make your Japan trip very unique. And I can't speak um, high enough uh, of David and Matt. Just let them know we sent you in their direction. So please 
give a follow, a like, and a comment on your favorite streaming service for our show. For updates on Lost Without Japan, feel free to give a follow on Instagram at Lost Without Japan. Visit lostwithoutjapan.lipson.com. If you'd like to reach out directly in that old-fashioned way, feel free to email the show at lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com. I want to say a big thank you again to our sponsor, the K-Pop Kimchi Podcast. Their super brief advertising will go at the end of today's show. If you could give a listen and check them out, as always, it'd be much appreciated. Looks like we're ready to land now. So, on behalf of our Lost Without Japan crew and myself, I'd like to thank you for joining us on today's trip. And we're looking forward to seeing you on board again in two weeks for episode 14. To everyone out there, oh ginky day, stay well, my friends. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the K-Pop Kimchi Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Turner, with my co-host, Paul Grella, Brian Limper. And when you need a break from planning your upcoming trip or maybe even your first trip to Japan, be sure to come check us out on the K-Pop Kimchi Podcast, your number one source for all things K-Pop related.